Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Hope your uh, holiday season after Thanksgiving counts as holidays. We decided that last week. Jeremy White, Bert Deister, how are you? Good, good. Shop local, shop online if you're going to do uh, your holiday shopping. Yeah, a lot of people have been taking advantage of that. It's I think there's this misconception that if you want your holiday shopping to be easy and done from your couch, that you have to head to a big internet retailer or you have to head, um, you know what I mean, to a big box store. You don't. You know what I mean? You can go to our website, see what we have in stock, order it for in-store pickup, come pick it up, and guess what? At the other end, the advantage is you get to ask a bunch of questions. You get to actually handle it and talk to somebody who's possibly used that same gadget before. So that's a big difference when you're shopping local. But you also get that good feeling of shopping local. Right. So shop local, shop online. Your guys, your website is nthomebrew.com. Uh, you can order online. You can pick up in-store or have things delivered to you, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you're ordering local. You're getting that order faster. Uh, housekeeping stuff for the holiday, holiday season. Holiday hours are coming soon. So okay. December 10th. We're going to start the holiday hours, and that means we'll be open during Monday to Friday, 10 to 8, and then on Saturday we'll be open 10 to 5. So we're an extra hour on Saturday and an extra two hours every day of the week so that you can get in before work, after work, after dinner, uh, and get what you need for the holidays. How much of that built in is just because sometimes it takes longer to get there? You know, the roads, you've got snow and all that stuff you got people. i wouldn't blame the snow in western new york yeah if we were having this show in like the panhandle of maryland or something like that it's like oh yeah three inches you know stopped all commerce that doesn't happen here but what does happen is as you're getting closer to the holidays you have christmas parties you have you know friends givings festivus you have to do all this holiday shopping you might have a ton of grocery shopping and house prep to do if you have people coming over and so we extend our hours a little bit to try to cater to the, the hecticness that is you know the pre holiday uh life right and so and then that's really why we do it and maybe the other thing too is with the kind of you know vanishing daylights or regular customers like the the longer hours too and we did our holiday gift giving guide kind of accidentally uh a little bit ago yeah so we did that right around black friday yeah so anything how's that gone so far like have you seen things already pick up yes yes and and i think the so we're seeing um a lot of people pick up the mash and boil which I didn't expect to be a huge holiday item. And I full disclosure, I think a lot of people picking them up are picking them up for themselves. Um, that's just fine. Um, and they've been very popular. So the, the Brewer's Edge Mash and Boil has been popular where people are asking for it for a gift because they want to be able to move inside for the brewing this winter. Um, and that Keg King uh, Mark III controller and heating pad has been another combo that we have been struggling to keep on the shelves. We have both in store right now. But, yeah, they're moving fast, and it's, it's a practical gift. And like we were talking about last week with some of these items, some of these stocking stuffers or, you know, some of the, like, you know, fermenters, controllers, stuff like that, if the person already has one, you can still get them another. You know what I mean? I keep whining that I need another controller on the radio <laughs> show because I can only keep one or two beers going at any time depending on the temperature. Um, and all brewers tend to brew in spurts. So you tend to brew maybe a two weekends in a row making three beers and then you can rest on your laurels for another two months right and that tends to be the general pattern so having an extra if somebody has a fermenter you get them another one 
it's not a problem. Gotcha. Okay. Very good. So uh, any questions on holiday ideas, of course, you can pop in and ask, like, what – if you have an idea of what you think your brewer wants but you don't know what it's called, chances are you can come into the store and talk mm-hmm. to you and you're going you're gonna to know we'll what it is. We'll sort through the jargon with you. Right. Absolutely. All right. So today, what are we getting into? So I thought we'd get into ice distillation. And it's not quite cold enough outside right now, although we did have that one cold snap a couple of weeks ago that was you know, probably cold enough. Ice distillation is a legal way to distill a beverage to jack the alcohol way up there. Um, and it's really common in this air- area, and it's a, a nice little... Uh, um, Nice little side project, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? To make almost like a brandy legally at home easily. Uh, And it's something really that um, I would say, while obviously you can use a chest freezer and do this any time of year, it's definitely something that's enjoyed seasonally and kind of can be combined with, say, a holiday beverage. We could spice it as well to make it, say, a holiday, you know, Applejack or something like that. So ice distillation is a quick, easy way to distill a beverage and legally as well mm-hmm. difficult no well, that's not a, at all it's always something we like time right? consuming a little difficult definitely not okay so the kind of idea here is alcohol has a lower boiling point but also a lower freezing point than water so in heat distillation we capitalize on that difference in the boiling point by heating the fermented beverage we condense the vapors that come off at the lower temperatures or lower compared to the water therefore the alcohols Um, when you're doing ice distillation you go the opposite way so you're capitalizing on that difference in freezing point the fact that the water will freeze first so as you start to let this you know beverage kind of drop in temperature water will start freezing kicking off alcohol and leaving that behind in the liquid solution so what you do is you freeze your beverage and then you remove the ice one way or another and that you know jumps up the alcohol content significantly um you can and i have as much as doubled my alcohol content on stuff. I've taken stuff from 18% or 16% all the way up to 32, 34. Wow. Um, and so that's that's 64 proof. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's brandy. Um, done totally legally, totally safe, no chance of setting myself on fire, blowing up or going blind or anything like that. So not only is this legal, one of the reasons it's legal is because it's a lot safer and a lot easier than heat distillation. It doesn't have a lot of the pitfalls um, that you would run into. The other thing I really like about ice jacking is, and I would have to say I tend to be more of a as the older I get, more of a, like we'll say, a brandy fan than a vodka fan. So I'm liking some flavor there. I'm not after necessarily the alcohol, but I'm after the flavor. And when you ice distill, unlike heat distillation, you not only keep all the flavor, you intensify it. Um, because you're taking away the water, you're not taking away tannins, you're not taking away sugars, you're not taking away acids. Um, so everything else is left behind. Um, and you get a much darker an overall richer flavored product than you had before. Now, the, the, there's two things that are much more popular to make than all of the other when it comes to ice jacking. And we'll talk about those today. And that's Applejack and Icebach. Um, and those are the two, I would say, most common. And if you're going to do this for the first time, most worthwhile elements to freeze to sell. Gotcha. So, 
So where to begin? So what to ferment with? Um, you want to ferment with something that's designed for ice distillation. You don't just want to um, kind of take some bad project and then try to make it better by ice distillation. We just talked about how it intensifies all the flavors. So if you have an infected project, if you got like a bock that's too bitter, you know what I mean, um, or a uh, cider that's too uh, acidic, this isn't going to solve the problem. In fact, it's going to make it worse. So you want to watch out uh, with what you're distilling. No matter what you're doing, try to keep the final gravity low. You can always back sweeten and beware of any strong or bitter flavors. Um, so if you're doing, like, say, a spiced Applejack, you may want to hold off until the spicing until late in the process because you don't know what's going to happen to it completely when you ice distill it. So it might be better to add that later. Um, but, yeah, so brew something meant for ice distillation. Mm -hmm. Don't just because you're listening to this radio show run into the basement and find whatever side project that you've been, and, and this would be something I would do, that you've been pushing off bottling and then decide to ice jacket, um, you know, to make it a little bit smaller or something like that. Um, but yeah, so after the alcohol has been concentrated, the beverage has to be to the point of freezing. The yeast will no longer break down any off flavors and they will no longer ferment once you concentrate it that high. So that means once you ice distill, say your Bach, don't count on it naturally carbonating or at least not cleanly. Um, and also, if you're making an ice box, if you're making a cider, you need all of those off flavors to disappear in the fermenter before you can even think about ice jacking. So it also means if you're looking to, say, make an apple jack this winter and you're not planning to lose your freezer for overnight to do it, um, you're going to have to plan this beverage out ahead of time. You can't look a week ahead at the weather report and say, oh, five degrees on Saturday. I'm going to do an you know Applejack this weekend. This is something that you have to put aside now for those cold months in January and February so that when you have that weather, it's ready to go. Okay. So, again, make sure it's fully aged and clean before throwing it into the deep shell. Um, cider is by far, I think, the most popular product to do this with. And so make a you know, pretty strong <clears throat> hard cider, usually spiced, um, and then bring it down. One of the major complaints about our local, a majority of what you get in our local apple blends is that it's really made for eating and drinking, not for fermentation. So the sugar content's actually a lot lower, so it's a tannin content. And when you're done fermenting, it's not that you end up with a bad cider, but you end up with a little dry and a little low on the flavor content. And this is a great way to kind of bring more apple flavor um, and more sweetness into one of these apple, um, apple jack projects. And so for the same reasons that our local apples don't make the world's greatest cider, and again, they don't make a bad cider, um, you really want to jack it because it's going to make it better. It's, it's almost better for jacking than a normal fermentation cider, mm -hmm. which has really got high acid content, and then you have to deal with that um, when you go to it. For the beers, the Bach is definitely the most traditional. Um, but however, brewers do it with a range of different beverages. And basically anything that you want to potentially make imperial um, is a good bet to do some you know, jacking too. Um, so I've seen Russian Imperial Stouts. Um, 
and I've even seen IPAs, of course. And then we also have the iced lager. You know what I mean? Similar mm-hmm. to the you know Canadian iced lager, which is interesting. Comes off a little more on the malt liquor range than it does a like imperial pilsner or something like that but also good to try so i would highly recommend anybody who's sitting around and you have your kegerator full and you have tons of bottles and you get your christmas beer going get something together to make for an ice beer or an apple jack later in the season because you can take it now and you can put it into a carboy and then you're waiting for a convenient cold night in january or february to jack it down and so I would say get it ready now, put it aside. If you decide not to do it, then you have a nice Bach or a nice apple cider waiting for you, you know, in, in the spring. Um, but you really want to, again, think about it ahead of time. Have something ready that's good potential beer, cider, to Applejack later in the winter. Gotcha. All right, let's get a break in and, and come back and get a little more into this uh, and finish out our show here. It's Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Again, holiday hours starting the 10th. Mm-hmm. You're extending things and run through those one more time. Monday to Friday, 10 to 8, and Saturday, 10 to 5. There you go. There's what you need to know. Back on the other side on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply, 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It, we're going to get to uh, maybe a little bit of indoor brewing a little later in the show if we run out of time talking about... um, what we're getting into, which is ice jacking or ice distillation for Mm -hmm. uh, what's going on. So where we left off. Yeah. So how to do it. The first thing you want to do is you want to grab a metal vessel. I usually use my, like a, uh, a cooking pot without a ball valve on it. So usually not one of my brew pots. Um, and you got to find a really cold place to set it. Um, so usually that's outside in my driveway or if I have it available, you can do it in a freezer, depending on the weather. Now, the first thing you want to do is you want to keep coming back every once in a while um, and checking on it um, so that you don't end up with a block of slush or a big block of ice that you can't get at your liquid. So you'll end up with kind of ice all around the outside, liquid in the center, and you'll literally have to drill through and siphon out to get at it. So if you're on top of it, you want to come back as it's starting to freeze and scoop off all the slush and ice that's forming on his skim on the top with a strainer over and over again. And so this is why you're asking, is this easy? Yes. Is this tedious? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You usually want to like combine this for a night where there's like an early Sabres game, but then an interesting like West Coast game. <laughs> so you can <laughs> stay up. force yourself to Something stay to up. A night where you can afford to come home from work and have a cup of coffee. Um, you know, the colder the temperature, 
Uh, if you can pre-chill it a little bit, that helps. So if you before you go into work, if you can take the car buoy and throw it into the refrigerator so that when you come home and you rack this into a pot and put it into the freezer, you're starting out at 32 degrees or 38 degrees, not 65 degrees. That will you know save you a lot of time. So if the morning, put it into the refrigerator. When you get home, rack it put it into the freezer, but you'll be sitting there for a while. And one of the things that happens is, is you have a bell-shaped curve here. So it starts to freeze, and you start getting more and more and more, and it's you know building up faster and faster every 15 minutes that you check on it, and then all of a sudden it starts to slow down. Every 15 minutes you check on it, and it's building up less ice and less ice. And there will be a point where you're going to have to ask yourself, is it worthwhile for me to sit here any longer? You know what I mean? How much volume am I getting off at this point? Um, and that's really what it comes down to. So you'll, you'll hit the peak where all of a sudden it seems like you're scooping ice off like every 10, 15 minutes, and then it'll start to slow down. And then you have to ask yourself, at what point am I willing to quit here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might want to be keeping an eye on your total volume or using the sugar content as a kind of uh, barometric for how much volume you're actually losing. So if you started out with 10 points of finishing gravity and now you're up to 20 points as you've been ice jacking, that means you've reduced the content by half, which is you know pretty much all you're going to get. Okay. Um, the other way to do it is some people actually do it in a keg, and this scares the living daylights out of me. Hmm. Water is it does not water does not freeze just because you put pressure on it. Um, it will always try to expand, and so the worry is if I forget about that keg, you know what I mean in the uh, um, in the cooler that it will get damaged. So I worry about the weld on the bottom. Usually your pots don't have a weld on the bottom, so I'm not as worried about leaving my pot out overnight and ripping it apart, but I would be worried about that on the keg. And then the other thing that can happen on the keg is if your dip tube freezes, you could have perfect ice on top, liquid on the bottom, but your dip tube is frozen. Now how are you going to get it out of there? So the keg is easy. You let it freeze as much as you can overnight. You try to transfer it to another keg or into a bottling bucket the next day. But I'm always worried about, one, damage to the keg, and two, I'm also uh, worried about leaving a lot of liquid behind Mm -hmm. that I could either freeze my dip tube um, or that I could end up with, like, pockets of liquid in there that I can't see nor find because it's in a sealed keg. So I tend to stay away from the keg partially because um, I don't want it to um, damage it. Plastic is also okay. You're also worried about damage, but also plastic does not conduct as well. So it's going to take longer. The plastic's going to be insulated, and it will take a little bit longer for it to freeze down um, overnight. Um, I really like the gravity, specific gravity, to uh, track how much water you're pulling off. Yes, you have to do a temperature correction every time, um, but it makes life a lot uh, easier. You don't have to have a graduated vessel. You don't have to make yourself a, you know, a graduated dipstick to use or brew paddle in the pot. Um, you can just keep pulling gravity and checking at where you are. With the box, you usually only reduce it by about 30%. So a 5%, 13 IBU, 10 points of finishing gravity, just standard box becomes a big 75 20%, 1.20 ice box. Um, and I really suggest this. It's a good way to make it because there's a couple of uh, advantages here. 
when it comes to doing an ice beer over just making a strong beer. And that is how we talk about all the time that alcohol and sugar in high concentrations are a stressor for the yeast. So basically what you do is you end up with a clean fermentation, like you were fermenting a lower gravity beer or a lower gravity cider, and then you increase all those flavors that you want by icing it down. So you're putting less strain on the yeast, increasing your alcohol, increasing your all those other factors, your sugar post-fermentation, and so you end up with a cleaner, high alcohol bock than if you just did a big, like, winter bock and just tried to make an imperial like right from the get-go so there is an advantage to this over just making a strong beer and say calling it like an imperial bock so with the, the ice distillation there is some definite advantage over making a strong beer it's cool you know what i mean mm -hmm. i think it, it's definitely a local thing the ice jacking was definitely uh local for cider for a long long time uh and besides molson triple your Molson Triple X or, you know, Labatt Ice, it's really hard to find an ice beer, you know what I mean, on your stores, even in the craft section. And if you think about what I just told you and the risk to damaging your equipment and stuff like that, you can absolutely see why um, brewers are a little bit afraid to uh, do it commercially. You know what I mean? You can't right. just freeze a bright tank. Right, I mean, you right. could, but... Sounds insane. You know how much those things cost compared right. to the sales from one seasonal beer. I was going to ask: Is there any example of a commercial beer that is consistently? I done? just there's an uh, there is one ice box out there. Um, I forget who makes it, but the, as far as what you're actually going to be able to find, those two big Canadian and the one big American macros are the only ice beers that I ever see on a store shelf, and it's something I do look for in the cold weather. Mm -hmm. um, but pretty much, like a lot of other styles that we talk about on the show, even in today's day of you know big, wide craft beer industry, you're still going to have to make it if you want to try it, or at least find somebody to make it with, um, because you're not going to be able to find one anytime soon, I think, on a uh, store floor. Yeah. We've got uh, about five minutes left here. Yeah, and you, so I, we, we, had, we had a backup topic, but I want to talk about another topic I think you can relate to. Um, that I had a problem with the other night. So every time I bottle a beer, um, I don't. I always say that oh, I, I, I uh, keg my session beers, I bottle all my strong beers, but it doesn't always work out that way. And so I don't have anything in kegs right now. I have a bunch of stuff I brewed. I'm waiting to rack over, and I decided it would be a good time to go in the cellar and look through my bottle collection. And what I found are IPAs, not West Coast, from about two years ago. You know what I mean? Hefeweizens uh, from last summer, Grodiskis. Well, you from hide two beers Easter. on yourself. I do, I do. And so this works great when it's Imperial Stouts and Barley Wines and, you know, Peanut Butter Porters and all that great stuff. But nobody wants a three-year-old Hefeweizen. Right. And so what do you do with this? I mean, I put a lot of time into making that beer. I put a lot of time into cleaning the bottle, putting a label on it, obviously, because I know what it is, and I know when it was brewed. But I just know, in my heart of heart, it's not going to be anything close to the good beer it was three years ago. So what do you do? That's what we were doing. We chilled them down, and then we're sitting at the sink, and we're looking at them. And we started popping them and just trying them. And some of none of them, I would have to say this, most of them 
were good. There was no flaws. They hadn't oxidized. They hadn't gone sour, any lingering brett. I mean, obviously, the IPAs had faded from wonderful citrusy and stone fruit beers to piney, woody, you know, kind mm-hmm. of almost like American strong ales. Um, but that is a big question. I mean, what do you do? You don't want to waste this beer. I don't want to throw it. I mean, this is a general rule. It's like if you're coming over to my house, you're going to get the best of what I make. I'm going to hide anything that I think didn't turn out perfect. Um, so these are always the beers that I drink myself. And as I have all these good beers coming that I want to drink, I really wanted to put them down the drain. Right, right. You know what I mean? I wanted those bottles back. I want that space back. But I think there's a lesson here, and, and, and I think for myself personally, I need to drink these beers shortly after I make them. Like at the end of the summer, I need to go into my basement. I need to drink every single Hefeweizen, you know what I mean, Right. that I brewed and bottled that summer. Um, sometime when the weather's getting nice, I've got to pound all the Grodiski, you know what I mean? And It ends up sounding like the T-shirts of the team that didn't win the championship. Yes. You know, like, what are we going to do with all these? <laughs> There's... They're definitely not good enough to, to use, so you yeah. just... I don't regret it. I mean, it's like if I right. had three bottles that left for three years after I drank the other two and a half cases, that was a success. But it's definitely a dilemma of the not only the home brewer, but the beer hoarder as well. Yeah. Because like you said, you're getting the beers in a month. Some of them you're super excited. Oh, let me take this and drink it right away. And I know for you, it's probably the opposite of the beers that you should be aging. So you get the big imperial stouts and you're super excited to drink this. Right. Same thing for me with barley wines and I, you know. Yeah. And so, then some of these beers of the month I have, I, I, they all seem to me like they'd be good ideas to age because they're all barrel aged as it is. Mm-hmm. And as a rule, if something has been barrel aged, it's probably safe to continue to age. Would you say that's mostly true? Mostly true, yeah. You would hope so, anyways. You yeah. think it. Unless you're talking like an IPA that's gin barrel age, because then it's yeah, an IPA. Yeah, yeah. But like for the most part, sours, and, stouts. And, and this is another thing too. I think is is uh, confusing to computers or consumers. You'll see barrel aged, but it was only brewed like a month ago. Right. So it was really barrel fermented. It was really like union fermented. It wasn't really okay. Barrel aged. So you see that kind of marketing trick pop up all the time. Gotcha. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah. All right. But I know it's like you were talking about. You had that Hall Melon, like... Sour, sour blonde, blonde melon. Yeah, low-gravity beer. Not something you're necessarily going to age, but it ends up sitting in the basement. Right. And so the low gravity is the... That's the key. That's, that's the, the worry, yeah. That's yeah. the one thing. Low you hop, want, low gravity. You want a lot of alcohol in there to make sure it ages well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for us. Again, extended holiday hours at uh, Niagara. December 10th. Yep, December 10th. Niagara Traditions just brew it. Extended holiday hours. And, uh, you know, any questions, a gift-giving guide, we have that as one of our previous episodes that would have uh, aired on. Weekend before Black Friday. Okay, right. We got to it even a little bit early. Yeah. So the date on that, I'm going to look right now. because We've been ahead of things. The the 17th. Very well. We We were ahead of ice distilling. We were ahead of the holiday. We were ahead of Christmas beer. We've already done that yeah. last week. so It's the 17th that that show would have aired. So find that on demand at WGR's website or ESPN 1520. Happy holidays. Uh, we'll talk to you next time here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.